Wow. Well, praise God. Um, you know, I, I, when I found out I was going to have the opportunity to, to speak here this morning, I was beyond excited. Um, and I, you know, you start thinking, what do you, what do I want to say? What do I, you know, and I, you know, first of all, I just want to say that it is truly an honor and a blessing to be here this morning. Um, I'm looking around, I see some familiar faces, but I also see a lot of new faces. And I just want to take a moment and recognize God and give him the praise for that, because that means that good things are happening here at the Gospel Chapel. Amen? Amen. Um, I would encourage you this morning to, um, to be engaged in the message. Um, God's word is the living word, amen? And so if it is the living word, that means that you don't have to just sit there and just listen. That means like you could say amen. You could say praise God. You could say hallelujah. Um, and all that's going to do is fire me up more. So see, it's a, it's a mutual benefit. Uh, but truly, God's word is the living word. And so um, please don't be, uh, don't feel like you have to be reserved. Don't feel like you can't uh, amen and, and all that. Um, so amen. Thank you, Joe. So, um, it, as I said, it is absolutely wonderful. It is an honor and it is a privilege to be here. For those of you that do not know me, um, my name is Mike Trippett. Um, and this, the Gospel Chapel has so much meaning to me. Um, not only is that where I got called into ministry, um, but there have been so many people along the way that have just poured into me who have... Uh, really made me the person that I am today. And depending on how you look at that, um, you're either proud of that or you're ashamed of that. <laughs> but honestly, um, in all sincerity, um, the Gospel Chapel, it doesn't matter um, how long I am gone or will be gone or how far I ever move away from here, um, the Gospel Chapel will always be my home church. It'll always have uh, just an incredibly special place in my heart. And um, I'm just so happy to hear of the wonderful things that are happening here, and I just want to encourage you as, as the congregation to, um, to please, please encourage your pastor. Um, please love on your pastor, and, and please be open to the vision that God is laying before you for this church. And, and we have to remember, it, it's not our church, it's not even our ministry, but it is God's ministry and so we have to be willing, our hearts have to be open for where it is that he is taking us as a church family. Amen? Amen. Well, the message that I wanted to uh, bring to you today, I believe that God would have us to know, uh, we're going to be talking about blessed assurance, and we're going to be talking specifically about Gideon's call. Um, our main scripture is going to be found in the book of Judges. We're going to be taking a look at uh, chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 24. The purpose of today's message is to understand that when God calls us to service, we have the assurance that he will equip us and that he will stand with us. I want to give you a little bit of a background. So while you're looking up Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 24, here's a little bit of the background as to where we're going. After Joshua's armies had conquered Canaan, the 12 tribes of Israel settled their allotted portions of the land. Now, the tribes had no earthly kings because God was to be their king. 
And through their on-again, off-again obedience, or I should say lack of obedience, God would allow the Israelites, he would allow their neighbors to come in and to control them. And not just control them, but even to oppress them. Each time this happened, the Israelites would realize their disobedience and they would repent, asking God to forgive them and to rescue them. Each time, God would assign a leader among the people to drive out the enemy. These leaders were what were known as judges. So everything that I just said, to to put it all in a nutshell, judges drove out enemies and they turned people back to God. Now, where we pick up, we find that once again, the Israelite people, they have done evil in the Lord's eyes. So they have been handed over to the Midianite people for a period of seven years. Now, we are told that the Midianite people were so cruel that the Israelites actually prepared shelters in the caves and the mountains. We're also told that when the Israelite people planted their crops, the Midianites and other people of the east would attack And they would destroy everything that they had done. They would destroy the crops, everything that had been planted. So once again, the people cry out to the Lord. And in response, he sends a prophet. And he tells the people through the prophet, this is what he says. I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and all who oppressed you. I drove out the enemies and I gave you the land. This is what I told you. I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Let's pray. Father God, as we prepare to go into this message, Father... Pray for each and every one of us. Father, I pray that we have come here today anticipating, expecting what it is that you have for us, what it is that you want us to know. Father, I pray that we have come here with open hearts and open minds, willing to receive the good news that you have for us. Father, I pray that the message that is preached today I pray that it will help us to grow closer and closer to you. And Father, I do pray that even even now that you would just remove me from this, Father, and that your words would be spoken, not my own. Father, I pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit on each and every person here today. And Father, I do pray that when we hear your message, that we would not walk out those doors without being changed, without our hearts being transformed in some way. Father, I can't possibly know what each and every person here is going through. I don't know their burdens. I don't know their struggles, but you do. And Father God, that is what I love so much about you. You know right where to meet each and every one of us, right where we're at. You know what we're going through. You know our struggles. You know our challenges. So now, Father, I pray. I pray that we would have the willingness to turn over those burdens to you. I pray that we would be focused on what it is that you want us to know today. And Father, I pray that everything that takes place here today would be pleasing and glorifying to you. And I pray this in your loving son's name, Jesus. Amen. Again, we're going to start in 
Judges 6, we're going to look at verses uh, 11 through 13 first. And the first thing that we want to take a look at here, we're talking about blessed assurance. We're talking about Gideon's call. The first thing is going to be this, the assurance of the Lord's presence. We have the assurance of the Lord's presence. Verses 11 through 13 say this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, to kind of paint a a picture here, I'm, I'm a very visual person, so when I read these things, I try to get a picture going in my mind. And the angel of the Lord finds Gideon threshing wheat in the bottom of a wine press. Now, when you leave here today, what I want you to do is I want you to Google wine press. And when you look at the images of a wine press in in its proper time period, you'll find that a wine press was basically a hole in the ground. It was kind of a, you know, a big carved out area in stone that kind of sloped down a little bit. And then at the bottom, there would be a small hole and, and that the, the juice would be, the grapes would be pressed and ultimately the juice would find its way down, down this hole. So that's, that's what a wine press was. Gideon was found threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, in order to appreciate what's happening here, I have to explain to you, if you don't already know, what it means to, to thresh wheat. Um, the, the, the wheat consists of the chafe and the grain. And in order to... Um, in, in order to separate it, it has to kind of be rubbed together. It kind of has to be beaten. And the chafe separates from the grain. Now, the way to do this, the easy way to do this anyway, would it be to do this in the open. And if it was a windy day, all the more better because the wind helps separate that chafe from the grain. The last thing that you would want to do um, if you were threshing wheat was to be in a hole down in the ground. Now, anybody here that does any kind of farming can attest to the fact if you've ever baled hay on a summer day, right? I mean, you are just loaded with the stuff. It sticks to you. It gets everywhere. Quite frankly, it's a miserable job. Um, I have so much respect for farmers because, I mean, that's just that's one tiny little portion of what they do. But that kind of gives you an idea of what's happening here. So my point to this is that you wouldn't want to do this in a hole in the ground. You would want to do this in the open. You would want the assistance of of the wind to be able to help you to separate this. Um, Here's Gideon hiding from the Midianites. He's doing his job. But he's even willing to make his job harder by hiding in a wine press. Now, you see... Gideon may have been working in a hole in the ground, but God knew exactly where he was at. Maybe the Midianites didn't know where Gideon was, but God knew exactly where Gideon was. And here's the really cool thing. He met Gideon right where he was at. 
The angel of the Lord appears and he, and, and he speaks to Gideon right where Gideon is, in a hole in the ground. That is the God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Now, you may not think that God knows where you are right now. You may not think that. Or you may think that he has forgotten about you. Maybe you're experiencing something in life right now that just has your life completely turned upside down. And you don't know up from down, right from left, east from west, all that stuff. You don't know what's going on. And you're like, where is God in the middle of all this? Surely God has forgotten me. You may feel that way today, but I want to promise you this. He knows exactly where you are at. He has not forgotten you. He knows, he cares about the smallest, most intimate details of your life. And I promise you that he knows everything that you are going through, every thought, everything that you are experiencing, and he is right there with you. Nothing takes God by surprise. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're sensing a call from God. And let me just clarify, a call from God does not mean that you're going to be called to be a pastor. It does not mean that you're going to be called to move to Africa or wherever to be a missionary. That's not what a call has to mean. There will be times when God calls people into the ministry. But you know what? Not every call means that you're going to be called to be a pastor or a missionary. But maybe he's calling you to do something that you don't want to do. And right now, you're running from him. You're running from God because you don't want to answer that call. And you don't want to answer that call because it's going to be an inconvenience. It's going to be a speed bump in your life. And you don't have time to go around that bump. And you don't want to go over that bump because it's going to hurt. And so you're running from God. But God knows right where you're at. God knows your heart and he knows exactly where you're at. And you're just going to keep running into dead ends. And so I'm hoping that today's message will encourage you. The blessed assurance of God's call. I'm hoping that it will encourage you to open your mind and open your heart to what it is that God may be calling you to. Each and every one of us who profess to be a Christian are called to do something. It is, it is not God's desire that we accept Jesus Christ and that we sit motionless and do nothing and let the world go on around us. God wants us to be very active in his ministry, in his missional work. Whether you consider it to be good or bad, we all have the assurance of God's presence at all times. The angel of the Lord says to Gideon, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I have to stop and I have to ask myself, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. How does God justify referring to Gideon as a mighty hero? How does he justify that when Gideon is hiding in a hole in the ground, um, choosing to make work harder for himself? How can Gideon be considered a hero when he, when he is doing this? The angel's words, they seem out of line with the actions of Gideon. In fact, Gideon himself didn't even believe it. Gideon challenges the angel's words by asking a great question. He says, Pardon me 
my Lord. I love that little bit of respect there, right? Pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Those are completely legitimate questions. They are very real questions that we still hear today. And you may even be asking these questions right now. Um, Pardon me, my Lord. But if following you is is going to, um, well, he never promises that it's going to be easy. We learned that in Sunday school, right, Amy? Right? There's a plug for Amy. Um, He never promises us that it's going to be easy. In fact, he promises us the opposite, that it's not going to be easy. That what? That we're going to have to take up our crosses, not, not weekly, not monthly, not biannually, but what? But daily. We must take up our crosses daily. It's not going to be easy to follow Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. These questions that we ask when we're going through these 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 times of, uh, you know, the, these burdens, these struggles, these whatever, as we're going through these and we ask ourselves the questions, but, but if, if, if God is so good, why is all this stuff happening? If, if God is so good, then why are people, why are they able to enter into schools and, and shoot up children and, 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 and teachers? If God is so good, then, then why, do, why do babies die? If God is so good, then why this, why that? If God is so good, why is there war? Why is all this stuff going on? But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we have to remember. God gives us an invitation of guidance and leadership. God invites us. Or as Amy was saying this morning in Sunday school, God gives us a choice. But God gives us an invitation to guide us, and to lead us. So before you start asking those questions of God, you need to ask yourself this. Have I accepted the invitation of God? Have I accepted the invitation? Am I allowing him to lead me and to guide me? Or am I allowing the world to lead me and to guide me? Next thing I want to take a look at is the assurance that God equips the called. That God equips the called. And for this, we're going to look at verses 14 through 16. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. Pay special attention to this. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Please keep in mind, this man is in a hole in the ground. How, do you pro- how does he process this? It's interesting to me that Gideon doesn't receive an answer to his question. He doesn't even receive an explanation. Instead, he receives an order. He asks a question, he wants an explanation, and instead, God gives him an order. <laughs> Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. 
I am sending you. Verse 14 is truly what the heart of this message is, is all about today. More specifically, these four words, I am sending you. It says in verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Gideon's response was much like that of Moses. You remember Moses? I I can't do this, Lord. I can't save your people. I, I am not eloquent of speech. I stutter. I'm not equipped to do I can't do this. I can't do what you're asking me to do. Gideon... Because his response was that of Moses, Gideon was exactly right in his assessment of the situation. He looked at this and he said, I can't do this. His clan was the weakest of the clans. And he was the least of his entire family. In other words, Gideon was the perfect candidate for God to use. You see, Gideon was completely ill-equipped to fulfill the command that he had been given. He couldn't do it. He didn't have what it took to do it. There was no way that he could do this in his own strength. What I hope that you will leave with here today is that in your strength, in your strength, you cannot fulfill God's command. But with God's equipping, you can do anything that he calls you to. It is when we are fully aware of our own weakness and the difficulties of a situation that the Lord can use us. And, and I, I love this because, to be very frank with you, I just, I, I, I don't care for arrogant people. I, I yeah, it just, I, you know, and, and, but God's not, God's not looking for the people that walk around with their, with their chest pumped out. And the people that, you know, are overly confident, it's good to have confidence, amen? But it's not good to be overly confident. And, 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 and there's people that, that just think that they can do anything. And then you have the flip side of it. Maybe you look at other people and you say, oh my goodness, that person has, they just have it all together. They just, they have everything going for them. And, you know, I'll just bet that they could do anything that God asked them to do because they, they're, they're just... They're, they're, they're just like that. They're good at everything they do. See, people that are good at everything, that's not, that's not, God doesn't want people. God wants people who recognize their weakness. God wants to use the people that say, I can't do that. Not, let me clarify there. Not, I won't do that, but I can't do that because I'm not strong enough to do that. Those are the people that God can use. When we rely on our own strength, we are not likely to draw upon God's grace. That's why God can't use people that, that, that think they have it all together. Because you know what's going to happen? They're going to try to do it, but they're going to do it in their own strength. And the thing about God is that everything that God ordains is going to bring him glory and praise. Amen? And so if you're out there trying to do things in your own strength, who's going to get the praise? Who's going to get the glory? You are. God doesn't want that. God wants and deserves the glory and the praise for everything that he does. 
The strength that Gideon possessed was the promise. Listen to this. It wasn't that he was a strong man. It wasn't that he was an overly intelligent man. But the strength that he possessed was the promise. It was the assurance of the Lord's presence with him. That was where he drew his strength from. The assurance of the Lord's presence. Because of this, Gideon could exchange his weakness for God's strength. Verse 16 says, The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Friends, you and I have that same assurance today. God is the same yesterday. He's the same today and he will be the same tomorrow. Do you believe that? If you, if you do truly believe that, then we have to believe this assurance that was given to Gideon. We have to believe that it is the same for us as it was for him. Because God doesn't change. Here's the third thing. Assurance of divine approval. We have the assurance of divine approval. Verses 17 through 21. It says, Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is real that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of Florida, uh, yeah, Florida, of flour, he made uh, bread with yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was, his, that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Now some people would consider what Gideon did next, they would consider an insult towards God. But in fact, what Gideon did next is what you and I should be continuously doing. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. You see, Gideon wanted proof that God, or his messenger in this case, was really talking to him. He wanted to know that he knows that he knows that he knows. He wanted to know. In the same way that God, that some people run from God's call, there are others who rush into something that was never truly ordained by God. In fact, we're warned about such things. In 1 John 4, 1, it says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. I want to take just a moment here, and I just want to say, first of all, Amy, thank you, and I praise God for using you the way that he does um, for your Sunday school class this morning. Um, 
I, I got so excited so many times during your class because you kept alluding to things. And actually, you, you, you did use this verse. And, and I, I jabbed Glenn, who was sitting next to me. And I'm like, look, look. You know, here's the thing. I, I want to encourage you. Um, and, and I have nothing to gain from saying this. But I just want to, you know, if you're not coming to Sunday school, you're only getting half the blessing. Because I can't tell you how many times the Sunday school leads into the message. And it's truly a God thing because, I mean, Amy and I didn't get together and say that, you know, hey, this is what I'm preaching on. You know, we didn't do that. And so, it, you know, if I understand life is busy. I understand that your Sunday mornings are valuable to you. But if you're not coming out to Sunday school, you're truly only getting half of what God wants to give you. And, I mean, the class this morning was just so awesome. So, you know, I, that's my plug for Sunday school. And, and, Amy, I just, I do. I want to thank you. And, and I praise God for the way that he's using you. And I thank you for your willingness to be used. I believe it. I believe it. I might try to steal her down to my church. I don't know. Okay. Here's the thing here. It shows great wisdom to test what we think that we are hearing or sensing against the word of God. In other words, is what I'm healing is what I'm hearing that call that I think I'm hearing from God. Is it truly in line with God's word? And, you know, there's really only one way you're going to know that. And that is by studying the scriptures. One of the one of the things that that my mentor always taught me, and, and I know he said it a lot when he preached, but don't take my word for it. Please don't take the word of your pastor just because he's a nice guy, and your pastor is an incredibly nice guy. And, and, and I trust him, but, but you know what? Don't take his word for something just because he says it's so. Pastors make mistakes too. He may not intentionally try to deceive you, but what's to say that he doesn't get his verses mixed up once in a while? You know, what's to say that he doesn't say something that, yeah, it might be just, you know. And the only way that you're going to know that is by studying the scriptures for yourself. And so you need to be in God's word studying so that you're not fooled by false prophets. A few questions that you might ask yourself are, the, are, are this. What does the scripture say about this? When you hear something or, or when you're thinking something and you want to know that it's truly from God, you ask yourself, okay, I'm sensing this, but what does God's word say about this? Because God's word doesn't change, amen? And you can trust it. And so what you want to do is you want to say, what do the scriptures say about this? Here's another question you ask yourself. What I think that God may be calling me to Will it, bring, will it bring glory to him? Will it bring glory to God? If I pursue this, if I go through with this, if I do it, is it going to bring me glory? Is it going to bring my friends glory? Or is it going to bring glory to God? And so that's a great question to ask. How about this? Will God's love be seen through this? In other words, what I'm sensing, if I do this, are other people going to see God's love through this? Are other people going to be able to draw closer to God because of what I'm thinking about doing? 
Above all else, pray about it. I cannot, I cannot under, uh, um, thank you. I cannot overemphasize, and I'm a pastor, <laughs> I cannot overemphasize the power of prayer. And so we need to be praying about these things. When we're sensing it, we need to go to God in prayer, and we need to be praying about it. Ask God to show you that this is from him. Be specific. God likes that. He likes when you're specific because that means you're engaged with him. It means you care about what's happening. Be very specific in your prayer life and ask God flat out, is this from you? Here's the final uh, point here. We have the assurance of life and peace. Verses 22 through 24. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord... He exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He was excited. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. You see, when, when people, uh, people would get excited when, and, and they actually would fall prostrate when they were in God's presence because, because of just God's splendor. And, and, and so Gideon is excited here and and, and so he's being told, the, the angel of the Lord's telling him not to be afraid. Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abizrites. Gideon's response when he found that it was the Lord with whom he was speaking with was complete fear. I mean, it was excitement, but it was complete fear. Gideon knew that no one could see God face to face and live. Exodus 33, 18 through 20 says, Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. You see, I believe there may have been another reason for Gideon's fear. I mean, it's, it's plain to see in the scriptures here of why he would have experienced the fear, but... I think that there was also another reason. I think there was something else going on here. And it is this. I believe that God's call on Gideon, the call to him, I believe that in that moment, at that very time, I believe it all became very real to Gideon. I believe that that was his aha moment. Have you had, have you had an aha moment with God I mean, mine, mine came when I was baptized as a believer. That was my aha moment with God. That, that was when I completely surrendered everything to him. You know, we all have aha moments with God where, where God just chooses to do wonderful things and, and he becomes so real to us. And the call that we're sensing becomes so real to us in that moment. And I think that that may have been what was happening with Gideon at this time. You see, when God calls us to do something... It becomes real to us. So how do we react? Well, many of us react in fear. 
And, and that would take me back to, to the first point that I, I talked about, the assurance of having God's presence. Because if you don't have that assurance, you can have it, but if you don't have that assurance, if you don't accept it, then you will live your life in fear. And when God calls you to do something for his glory, you won't be able to do it because you'll be frozen in fear. You see, fear is not of God. You know this. Fear is of the enemy. Why? Because fear immobilizes us. It makes us motionless. We can't act for God's glory if we're filled with fear. God gives us his assurance of both life and peace. In the same way that God quickly gave Gideon the assurance that he would live. He said it. Remember in verse 23, he said, It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And so in the same way that God gave Gideon that that assurance, he gives us the assurance of eternal life and peace when we accept that invitation I was talking about. When we follow his call, you and I also have a a peace in that assurance of God's uh, peace and life. Please understand that peace, the the peace that I'm talking about, it does not mean that that your life is going to be rosy. It does not mean that your life is going to be problem-free, that everything's going to be just a-okay. I mean, the truth of the matter is that everything is going to be okay. Because this is temporal for us, amen? Amen. This is not eternal, this is temporal. And we are going to have problems. And, and, And if you profess to follow Jesus Christ, not just with your mouth, but with your actions, guess what? Your problems are going to be tenfold. You're going to look at the people of the world and you're going to say, why, how do they prosper? How are they prospering and gaining when I am filled with pain and I'm trying to do the Lord's work and and I seem to be spinning my wheels because I'm not getting anywhere? How is that fear? Uh, How is that fair? If that's your thinking, then you've forgotten that this is temporal. Our eternal home is yet to come. I want to close this with every message. I like to close it with application. And what that means is, is as you're sitting here today, you ask yourself, how can I apply this message to my life? What is it that God wants me to know and how can I apply it? Number one is this. Stop limiting your availability. And none of God's people said amen to that. Stop limiting your availability. In other words, stop saying to yourself, I can't do it. Stop saying to yourself, I'm not equipped to do it. The truth of the matter is, we know that you're not equipped to do it. You know that you're not equipped to do it. But in God's strength, you will do wonderful things. Amen? Amen. Number two is this. Always, always, always confirm the call. Always confirm the call. Is it really of God? Because believe me in this, the, uh, the evil one will try to trip you up. And when you're no longer falling for the petty stuff, like, like when you were a new Christian and, and you know, you could, you know, he could easily tempt you with the stuff that, you know, that uh, in, in your past life that you, you constantly fell to. When he can no longer get to you with that stuff, believe me. He is going to get creative. And the closer you draw to God, 
Man, he is going to get so angry and he is going to come after you. He's going to come after you. I, I, I can't paint a pretty picture here because it's not pretty. We win in the end. Amen. But always, always confirm the call. Is this really of God? Remember those questions? What does scripture say about this? Will it bring glory to God? Will God's love be seen through this? Number three is this. Always give praise and glory to God. We have to understand, and I'm sure you do, but we have to understand that we all, Myself, standing right here, we all fall short of the glory of God. There is not one of us here that is worthy. We all fall short. But you know what? We can take great comfort in that. We don't use that as an excuse to say, well, you know, hey, I fall short anyway, so eh." we don't do that. We don't use it as an excuse, but we can take comfort in it because we know we see God's love through that. We see that we are not worthy. We are not worthy to see, to to serve the Lord. But because of his grace, he chooses to use fallen people to accomplish his work. I can't, that's amazing to me. We fall and, 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 and time and time again, we fail him and he still chooses to use us to accomplish his work. That is amazing to me. So, above all, give praise and glory to God in everything that you do. 